Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Fandom Talk, or at least hopefully your favorite podcast. Um, I know it has been a little bit since we have done a episode, but uh, we appreciate your all's patience on that. We were we were busy reading uh, Darth Bane: The Rule of Two for the Star Wars EU or EU review. And, uh, yeah, this, I, 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 it's kind of my fault that we were recording a little bit later than I intended just because, um, I ordered this and it did not come in until like two weeks later. Um, so that was fun having to wait. Um, so I do apologize for the lateness of the, re- of the recording, but here we are. Um, yeah, Darth Vader Rule of Two, my goodness. Um, and for the record, Rule of Two is the second book in the trilogy. So if you have not read the first book and if you have not listened to the first episode then please go no, go right back around and listen to the path of destruction episode featuring me and al and uh, get yourself caught up because we're gonna be referencing some some stuff that um i, I completely forgot about from the first book until literally the last 20 pages because a character shows up that i had written out of my head entirely um but uh but speaking of my wonderful co-host um, Al Manley is here, who is also a wonderful member of the Fan of Correspondence and is my co-host for here for the Star Wars EU Review. Al, how are we doing tonight, man? I'm doing great, Jacob. I'm ready to talk about the rule of two, mm. ready to answer those deep, insidious questions we have to answer, like, sure. what is the rule of two? Why mm. is it so important? Mm-hmm. And the one... That's weighing most heavily on my heart is is Drew Carpishin okay as a man? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the main question hammering in my head today. <laughs> these these are important questions to ask. They they are. Um, yeah this this book is really interesting. Um, <laughs> is yeah, he okay, Jacob? I, I, I don't think he is. Um, <laughs> So yeah, let's just let's just let's just jump right in. Um, Al, what were your initial thoughts just starting this book? Like after after Path of Destruction, and then jumping right into this book. What no? What were your what were your thought? You know, like your early thoughts of like the first couple of chapters. What what did you kind of think of where Darth Bane was as a character, and and also where Xana was as a character? Uh, well, I got you, man. So um, just cracking open this book. This um. Sweet, sweet uh, paperback copy, um, which I'm sure we'll circle back around to the cover art. Oh, yes. Because we um, can't yes. talk about this book the without cover art, about it. The cover art will be all over Instagram and will be chosen <laughs> picture for Spotify. So, yeah. yeah. And after that, it'll be a, a permanent fixture in your dreams uh, <laughs> from, from here on out. Um, so I cracked this open. And I don't know how people like read their books. Some people don't read like the forward and the acknowledgments and things like that. I like to just because it gives little like tidbits of information about like how the book was written and when the book was written. So I pop it open and I read the acknowledgments um, to find that Drew Carpishin reports that this book came together in the space of only six months. Right. So he wrote this book in six months. Writing a book in general is a gargantuan feat. So I'm very impressed by the fact that he was able to write a full book in six months. Um, let's get that out of the way. Um, 
with that context for this for this book, I went into it thinking, okay, this is going to be kind of like a path of destruction, right? Um, six months. I know this was published in like early 2008. So the six months that it was written in had to be pretty recently after Path of Destruction, I imagined. Um, so I was just like, okay, cool. Um, I expect it to be very similar to the first book. And that kind of was my expectations going in. Um, I was wrong, everybody. Um, this book kind of feels like it was written by a different person than the man who wrote Path of Destruction. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But um, so, yeah, uh, I was. I wasn't expecting the story to pick up like right after the first one, right? I was expecting there is a time jump in this book. Uh, these EU authors love their time jumps. Uh, there is a time jump in this book, but um, it takes place a lot later in the book than I was expecting it to because the story picks up and it's like right after the thought bomb exploded, right? So, mm -hmm. so we're on Rusan still, and Darth Bane and Zana are basically just kind of like <laughs> just kind of carousing around Rusan. Just like, ah, oh, come here, Zana. I've got a horror show for you to experience. <laughs> Ten-year-old girl. <laughs> like, just going over this massive, like, bloody battlefield of a planet. Um, I guess it's not terribly bloody because everyone was using lightsabers and laser guns. But, like, this just horrible, like, nightmare landscape of a planet. Um, and Bane is just kind of like, come, just, just <laughs> check out this super hype stuff I did. Um, and it's basically an early introduction into how Bane is going to take on an apprentice. Because this is something I thought was really, really cool that I hadn't thought about before, or that I guess I hadn't realized, is that um, Darth Bane, very efficient with his job, killed all the Sith. Um, high five, buddy. Uh, he realizes almost in real time, that he's just like, huh, I've never had to teach anybody before. Like, he's realized that he has <laughs> built his entire philosophy for how the Sith is going to survive and thrive in the darkness for the next foreseeable future on a skill that he does not even know that he has, right? <laughs> so so we kind of get to, like, realize that alongside him as it kind of sinks in of just like, huh, I'm not responsible for this child who I'm not supposed to love, but I am supposed to keep alive. <laughs> and I don't really know how to do this. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I think it um, it establishes that Zana is a just hardcore child, just really early on. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of established at the end of the last book, because, of course, Zana's discovered by a couple of Jedi, and she's just like, and just kind of like snaps their necks um which to be fair if somebody somebody killed my animal i would also do that as well so sure. uh, no shade towards zana at all uh, but like um zana like if there is a character in i'm sorry i'll, I'll rephrase because this way it's going to make a lot more sense than whatever the hell I was about to say. If there is if there is a horror film that is a direct parallel to a character in a S Star Wars 
story, right? Okay, everybody, like, hanging with me right now? Mm-hmm. If there's a parallel of that that exists, then Zana is the omen. Because Zana is so naturally evil that it's disturbing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, she takes to the dark side like a goat takes to just a a patch of healthy ass grass like she 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 is just kind of like oh killing people inflicting pain uh the weak should die like social darwinism i'm down for it she just like jumps on that train as quickly and as aptly as anybody ever has to the point that bane is just kind of like oh whoa okay (laughs) like (laughs) i like the energy but um yeah you are really you're really taking to this a lot more than I thought you would. This is <laughs> this is interesting. Um, again, Bane kind of realizing that he may be a little bit out of his depth as far as like this new role he's had to take on as a master. Um, but I think the early parts of the book set up Darth Bane and Zana. I think it sets them up really well. What is kind of weird is that the journeys that the beginning of the book set them up for i feel like don't necessarily um they don't line up with the journeys that they end up having if that makes sense right like mm-hmm. i feel like it sets up this idea that darth bane has finally found something that he is going to struggle with um he's finally found this idea that like oh i've never like really had a good relationship with anybody I've never really been good at sharing things with other people. And that's entirely what this whole ordeal is going to be. This is what he has based his future and the future of the Sith on, is this idea that the master will share of themselves and share of their power and the knowledge that they have with one person who conceivably is going to be the most important person in their life. And it sets up Bane to just kind of be like, okay, I've never really done that before. So we're about to see Bane kind of struggle with something for real for the first time that we've been with this character. And with Zana, it feels like the beginning of this book sets her up to like really just be a natural adept to the dark side and just being like a total sponge and just being like, yes, like, I want this, and I want this power, and I need to absorb whatever thing can teach me like this. And it kind of sets you up to think, okay, this is going to be a really interesting relationship, because you have the dynamic of someone who isn't sure how to share of himself, because he's never had to before, and his counterpart in Zada of being someone who's like, who's been deprived of everything, and is so hungry, and is so determined to grow in power and to take whatever she can get from Bane. And I thought that that was the journey that this book is kind of setting them up on, but I feel like that's not really what we end up with though. Um, what about you? Is that, is it about the same or do you think it was I'm a better head up than that? How did you feel about it? So I, I kind of, I agree to, to me when I first, when I first started um, reading this book, my immediate thought was, Oh, okay. We're going to get Zana's training and Zana's teaching as, as a Sith. Um, because the end of path of destruction, you kind of get the idea, like you get the idea that, you know, she is, 
she is someone who killed, uh, you know, she killed those other two guys who came in and, like you said, killed the, are they called, they're called bouncers, aren't they? Right, the bouncers, yeah. Yeah, little bouncers, and, and they were they were friends of hers. And, um, but you also kind of get the idea that it's kind of the sense of she's kind of acting without really knowing what she's doing. So I kind of took it as like, all right, he's going to take that and kind of mold that into the Sith, into what she wants. And as of right now, she's basically just a force user without any kind of connection to either side. Yeah. What changes is the moment that the book starts, um, Xana kind of, um, she kind of, she reminds me of like the memes about certain cats in the sense of like, the cats that are just like super evil and they're, and they're like, yes, kill them. Okay. Because that's kind of what Xana is. Um, for the record, all the cats we have are precious angels and would never do anything like this. But, um, the mindset of just like, like very quickly, like, like when he, when he comes across those mercenaries very early on in the book and he kills most of them, but then leaves a few alive. He's like, why didn't you kill all of them? And, like, Carpenter goes out of his way to, to say that, like, he's more so confused than anything, but at the same time, you also have to ask the question, why does this nine-year-old want to see all these people murdered so, so savagely and so quickly? Um, so, no, you're, you're absolutely correct with the, like, he is very quickly on, on the side of evil, which, like, I don't know, it's, it almost... I almost didn't like that aspect of her character because of because of how quickly she she does go that route, especially because it really doesn't. For me, it kind of hurts her story later whenever or really it hurts Darvitt's story later whenever he's like he's like uh, Rain, which is what her child what was her nickname when she was a child. Um He's like, Rain, this isn't you. This isn't who who you are. And, like... We, we have no reason to believe otherwise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, the, 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 the times that we've seen her... Because in, in the book, she doesn't show up until, what, four chapters from the ending? Even, I mean... Even that, I think. Even that, yeah. I think, I think the first time we see Rain is in, like... The epilogue of the story. I think it's. Okay. So, <laughs> I think it's the very end of the book, where she where she kills those two guys, and like, once again, we just at that point we like you said we have no reason to believe otherwise to believe that she is anything but that. Um, so it kind of that aspect, in my opinion, does kind of hurt her character just a little bit, just because it the main conflict that happens at the end of this. And like what she does at the at the very last moment, it's not something that was unexpected to me. You, you, you know, you get what I'm saying. Sure. Like he, it's moments like that, like the like the the. I mean, it's I don't know why this is the first comparison I thought to make, but like the Norman Bates esque reveal that they want 
does not work if you know that he's that he's the one killing everyone the entire time. Sure. And and, and like, please forgive me because this is nowhere near psycho levels um, of of quality. It's good. It's not there. Um, I I just love that we are less than half an hour into this episode and we have made two horror film references. <laughs> well, we're it's, it's we're October's coming up, man. I'm getting I'm getting excited. You October's know, October's coming up. You know, it's going to exactly. be spooky. Exactly, Sp- spooky times. We love horror fest. Yeah, we're we're getting excited, Al. That's what it is. Um, but it's but no, like like for me, the finale of this book was not set up properly because of that. Um. At least not the way that they were going to do it, and the and the thing and the the really annoying part is, is that, <coughs> excuse me, the really annoying part is is that if they had ended like two chapters sooner, I would have liked this. I would have liked that ending a lot better, um, because I mean, and of course, we'll 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 get into it because Lord knows we've got. That is one thing I do like about this is they introduce a lot of characters and it's not just Darth Bane. It's, it's, there's, there's a lot of people to go through. Um, and there aren't a ton of them we need to worry about by the end of it. That, that <laughs> but, uh, but I do like that for this. I, it, it really kind of flushes out the story. And like you said, knowing that it was done in like six months is actually pretty damn impressive. Um, <clears throat> but no, so yeah, Xana was just kind of, that part was kind of an issue for me. Like I said, I liked, I liked kind of how I kind of liked the idea of Darth Bane dealing with someone so evil that he has to keep them in check. And that's kind of what I thought it was going to go with. And then, Mm. and it does for a little bit, but then like the last half of the book really, really solidifies the aspect of, Dervit or Tomcat or whatever you want to call him is trying to save Xana. And that's and that doesn't really work quite as well. But um but Bane as a character um in this book, which he he is, um he does kind of take a back seat a little bit. Um because Bane Bane's arc in this is very odd. Um because I, I know I know in, la- in the last episode I, I compared him to like asking if he if if Ray is a Mary Sue then is Darth Bane also a Mary Sue, which I hate the word I hate the phrase anyways but that's kind of what I was getting from the first one. Um, in this one I've realized it's not so much that he's a Mary Sue it's that he has so much main character energy. That he can do the stupidest shit and somehow still get it out alive, um, because the we're sk- I'm skipping ahead just a little bit, but so he finds the he finds the note from his um, from Lord Khan, the the leader of the Brotherhood of Darkness. All right, mm-hmm. yes. and it tells him to go. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up that he found the note from Lord Khan because I have some thoughts about that as well, but please continue. <laughs> I, I have thoughts about them entirely because so he finds the note about Freedon Nad's holocron, which uh, I, I know I know we're tossing out some names here, guys. Um, so Freedon Nad was one of the earliest Sith. Um, Exar Kun was not considered an actual Sith. He was considered a dark Jedi. I know that that is... I know that semantics are are, are an issue there. I, I get that. Um, what, 
one day in the future we are going to get into a discussion of dark jedi versus sith and i i may not ever be as mad as i will be on the podcast <laughs> on that day I, I <laughs> for the record it's gonna be a very it's gonna be very a very one-sided podcast because I agree with you on that. I'm just telling you that by all technical reference, Freedom I think Freedom Nat is considered the first like major Sith, if I remember correctly. Um and I could be wrong and feel free to correct me on that. But um <clears throat> I know one of the big things about it is he was the one who perfected the idea of using Sith holocrons, which is the entire which is Bane's entire arc after this. His entire arc in this in this story, in this story, is basically, I like holocrons. I want my own holocron. Why can't I have a holocron? Please give me holocron now. It's it's basically Charlie Charlie's uh, speech as a mayor. Yeah. Um, it's always he, want, he wants to uh, he wants to have his own little manifesto. He does. And that's yes. all it is. <laughs> He he wants his own manifesto and he want, and he wants to create that legacy and everything. And I get that, but. Here's what I don't understand, and it's why it's so weird because for the first, like, I'd say 60 pages until you get there, I do not understand what Darth Bane is doing at any point in time. He's just kind of he's just kind of moving through the world and moving through the galaxy and doing random stuff Um, because. Because, because, like you said, he just now found his first apprentice. He should be wanting to train her in more things, which I get the whole, you know, if you can get to Onderon in 10 days, then that's your first mission. I, I, get, I get that. I do. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, I also don't know what his end goal is. Say what you will about Plagueis, but I know that his end goal is I want to figure out how to live forever. And I want to destroy the Jedi. And I know that Bane also wants to destroy the Jedi, but you never get anything beyond just me. Me want destroy Jedi. That's that's what it is. Which I don't, I don't mind that. But we we talked about this in the last episode, Al, where Thrawn trilogy and Darth Bane trilogy were the two things that everyone everyone always suggests when it comes to Star Wars uh, non-canon Star Wars books. Correct. Yeah, it's just about and. With Thrawn, at the very least, I understand where Thrawn's goals lie, or for the for the most part, because I know he wants to he wants to reinvigorate the Empire. He wants to he wants to rule. He wants to create a galaxy of order out of the chaos that that the last like however many years has been. All right, you get that within the first like two chapters of who of Thrawn, of with Thrawn. With this, all I get is me want destroy Jedi, which. Once again, is not a problem, but I was really expecting more from this trilogy, which, once again, we haven't read the third one yet. We could get more, but in this one, it just, I did not – I was worried about halfway through this book. I was like, am I going to end this trilogy just saying that I don't like Darth Bane as a character except for the fact that apparently he is the hottest man in the galaxy? He is. He is. He is, and don't you forget it. He, because he, he stands two meters tall, has chiseled muscles in his face. In his face, in his Homie face. has muscles in his visible muscles in his face. <laughs> Which, for the record, we are quoted directly from the book. Like this it. is not. <laughs> I love it. 
the hottest thing to Drew Carperson and and re- respect, but the hottest thing to Drew Carperson is a Sith Lord, and I have come to I've come to this to discover that 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 goes to any and all genders. So like he is he is the true originator of Sith Lord Summer. That's <laughs> he is yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But anyways, so getting back to him doing to Bane doing stupid shit and somehow surviving, um, he goes to find Freedom Nats Holocron on uh, Daxon, which is one of the moons of Onderon, mm-hmm. and as he grabs the Holocron, the like worst Indiana Jones trap I've ever seen just happens to him because these things called Orbalisk. Which are these parasitic? I viewed them as parasitic, like face huggers. Basically, I looked it up, and they look more. They actually look more like a Kabuto from uh, from Pokemon, mm, but, sure. <laughs> which which makes them sound really cute until you realize um, that they are fusing with his body, um, and and for a solid chapter, this becomes like a body horror. Uh, uh, kind of kind of story and but magically he also realizes that he can survive with them on his body um they can unleash chemicals and hormones into his body no i'm not joking that mm-hmm. is direct uh reference um and the key thing is they can because their outer shell is so strong they can basically stop any and all weaponry, um, primarily lightsabers and blaster fire. Um, yeah. Yeah. So could Darth, could Darth Bane get any cooler? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is maybe. maybe. <laughs> so, so yeah, so he gets the holocron. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> Xana. <laughs> Xana finds the Xana finds the one ship that is leaving Rusan, kills the entire crew. Which I know there's more to it than that, but uh, but let's just let's just call it what it is. Kills the entire crew and then has them take the uh, after they ha- after she has them put the uh, autopilot on to take her to Onderon to find Darth Bane as well. Um, true. By the time I need everyone to realize that by the time. Zana turns 12. She has already killed more people than Bane does in this entire book. <laughs> it's incredible. I'm just that. <laughs> it's incredible. She's scarily efficient at taking people's lives. Yeah, you you are correct. Uh, also, we <laughs> we skipped over a part. Um, because before they go to Onderon, they go to where the thought bomb was, mm-hmm. um, on Rusan, which the thought bomb is the thing that killed a bunch of people that were force sensitive, which we're going to get to more because I really want to talk about that with Johan's, uh, arc, which, and, oh and apparently the thought bomb is just still there. Yes. <laughs> um, it is because. The way so the way that I read that is the thought bomb took all of their souls, decimated their bodies, and then trapped them all inside the bomb itself. 
cool. I think <laughs> I think that's awesome. I just wasn't <laughs> expecting it to just be like hanging out. Like that's not really what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's fine like i'm just like okay that's pretty cool actually like it's horrifying but that's that's pretty awesome and then they're just like why are we so (laughs) then the thought bomb is still there and i was just like what are you talking about is it gonna go off again (laughs) is that a permanent part of like the galaxy now (laughs) no why is no one talking more about this (laughs) um so anyways, when Bane and Zana are just walking across Rusan, uh, just, you know, willy-nilly, um, there's a point where they go to the Thought Bomb, which, apparent, which is still there, um, as we discover. Mm-hmm. And the Thought Bomb is a character from this point on. It is. <laughs> God, I hope it shows him in the third book now. Um, <clears throat> and Xana sees... Um, Darvit, who I had completely forgotten entirely from the first book. Um, but Darvit was her childhood friend, and he basically is like, hey, you shouldn't go with that guy because he's creepy. And Darth Bane is like, well, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I'm going to kill you, child. <laughs> and, and then Xana... I don't have another word for this. Xana explodes his hand. Um, like it literally like just fades away, like in a in a force explosion, which is such a weird like it's it's a weird thing to hear because it's like, why has that not happened like in another like, I, I was about to say it's one of those things where I'm just like, okay, she better do that. Same thing again by the end of the third book, because that feels very useful. <laughs> exactly. Like considering your primary enemy is someone who fights with a sword. <laughs> take away their sword hand. <laughs> like they keep because they keep talking about how powerful the force is with them. Um presumably because, you know, that since I I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't say this in the book, or at least if it does, I missed it. But, like, my assumption is I was like, okay, well, the dark side has nowhere else to go except for these two, primarily. So, obviously, that's they're going to be super powerful. So, I'm not, I, I don't mind that he is that powerful, but it's, in fact, I actually kind of like that. But at the same time, I was just like, that is one of the most brutal things I have heard in a while. If he's just holding a, he's holding the lightsaber, the next thing you know, his hand explodes. Like, yeah, because and that right there, just immediately, I was like, "Oh, okay, Xana, Xana's not not screwing around." And then when she kills, when she sabotages the ship that takes her to Onderod, um, <clears throat> she uh, she kills the entire crew except for one of the children that's on board. Which, God, what a sentence! Um. And the kid looks at her and goes, I'm just a kid like you. And she goes, I'm not a kid, shoots him, and then presumably looks at the camera and goes, I'm a Sith. And then, like, you know, music swells or something, you know, and it just, yeah, it's... It's the exact it's the exact same thing I pointed out to you about Path of Destruction. That, like, 
that honestly really good scene where Darth Bane finally decides to like abandon the Academy and abandon the Sith Brotherhood. And mm-hmm. so tries to stop him and just like or to Bane, please. And he and he pushes him off. And if he had just left, that scene would have been great. And then he ruins it by saying, I go by Darth Bane now. It's just kind of like, <laughs> man, you had a potentially really cool scene there. <laughs> that like was just shattered by one line of dialogue. It happened here. Like, it's just like, I'm just a kid like you. And Zotto could just say, I'm not a kid and shoots him. And that's it. And you're just like, wow, that was a really like, heavy scene that just happened but then instead she just like says to the general wind (laughs) just kind of like i'm a sif it was just like who is this for zana like (laughs) what are you doing At, at this point now i am hoping that like the third book does have at least one moment where where it's it's basically the office like talking heads pretty much or or, or the or, or Parks and Rec you know where they where they basically look at the camera and have to say something. Um, that's I my. Hope, I really hope that uh, the third book ends with uh, with Bane going. So what are we? Some kind of dynasty of evil. <laughs> <laughs> that, really good. that is my hope. Yes. Yes. Um, all right, so before we do the time jump, oh boy, <laughs> oh boy, uh, <laughs> before we do the t- time jump, let's talk about Johan just a little bit. So let's talk about Johan. And, and in fact, Al, t- tell us a little bit about Johan. Man, I'm, I'm happy to talk about him because we won't have to talk about him for very long. We won't. So, <laughs> so Johan um, is the Jedi Padawan who previously served in Hoth's army. Um, to be specific, he was actually on General Hoth's own Jedi Padawan. So that's pretty cool. Um, um, so Johan had been there on Rasan for like pretty much the entirety of the conflict. Um, so think about a 19-year-old with just like the the thousand yard stare of the Vietnam veteran, um, he'd been on Rusan the entire time. Um, he had gone um, at Hoth's command because he had originally volunteered to go into the cave um, uh, with Hoth, but Hoth was just like, "No, we'll go," and so he went off. Um, uh, he, he went off planet when the thought bomb went off. And now we have um, this this young man who, man, he's trying, Jacob. Like I know you don't, <laughs> I know you don't like him very much, uh, but at least in this part of the story, and like he is like uh, very annoying. But um, you know he's trying, man. Um, he he is convinced that the Sith are like not eradicated. Um, which is honestly a point to him because even if we did not have like the background knowledge that like Darth Bane and Zana were like off doing a bunch of its stuff, even if we didn't have the background knowledge of that, it, it kind of shook me that nobody else in the Jedi thought that there were any Sith that possibly survived. Yeah. Um, they were very convinced about that. Um, and I know that they were like... Um, some politics I play with that as well. 
but um, it did. It, it struck me as a little bit odd when he was just like, "Hey, I found these eyewitnesses. They're saying that there was a Sith Lord that attacked them." Um, you know, from that planet that had like a ton of Sith Lords on it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think we should at least investigate this. And General Arfala from the last book is just kind of like, I don't think there are any Sith Lords at all. I'm not going to do any of that. And Johan is just kind of like, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you super positive that there aren't? And Farfalla is just like, why are you so angry? And Johan is just like, I'm not sure that I am, but okay. <laughs> um, so, like, so, you have this character where Johan is not, like, the most charismatic character I've ever seen in the Star Wars story at all. He has, like, a very abrasive personality a lot of the time he's just like very like in your face and stuff um he's very angsty which again you know a majority of all the people he had ever known just died um he was in a war zone so i give him a little bit of a pass on all that but um you have this idea that he it's really interesting because the characterization I got from him was that this is a young man who is very angry and is trying to channel his anger towards the only enemy he has, which is the Sith. And he's forcing himself to believe that the Sith is there. And that character arc, that characterization really only works if he's wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> the characterization only really works if he's wrong. And we know that he's not. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. We know that he's right about this. Um, so that was kind of an interesting way to take that character. And then um, he gets turned in into a Jedi Knight. Um, he has a moment that, like, I actually really enjoyed where he's just kind of like, well, I'm not sure I've really done the trials to earn being a Jedi Knight. And Farfalla is just like, well, you were a child soldier in a war for years, so you probably you probably don't have to worry about that. And um, <laughs> and so he cuts his braid, and he's like a Jedi Knight now. Um, and and in a move that made me like Farfalla more than I'm ever going to like that character again, uh, <laughs> Farfalla gives him a very challenging first operation right is first assignment because he's just like i need you to be a jedi guard for the chancellor who you just had a, a disagreement with and i was just like that's actually very clever because it forces him to kind of re-examine what his his perception is all of the biases and assumptions he's making about the chancellor it forces him into a role he's not comfortable with so he can kind of expand his his abilities and rely on the force more and i thought that part was really really cool um, i really do um but it is very strange that we have this whole characterization on ohan where he's just kind of like oh look at this poor traumatized youth he's obsessed with the sith now he's obsessed with like the boogeyman hiding in the darkness like this poor kid but due to the nature of the book, you're just like, wait, no, he's he's right. 
I don't, I'm not caught up in this character journey for him because he's the only person who's right right now. <laughs> like, it's it's wild to me. Is that kind of like some of the issues that you had as well? So, <clears throat> so my biggest issue with Johan was just strictly in the first chapter that he shows up in. Um, <clears throat> really, actually, probably the first two. But after... Once he gets back to Coruscant, because I, like you, I, I really liked everything that happened with Farfalla and him there. I like that they they made him a Jedi Knight strictly because of the fact that he was part of the Rusan campaign um, and was one of the few survivors of it. Um, and I, I liked pre- I liked him pretty much the rest of the book. Um, my biggest issue just was in the first one because um, and it didn't make this part clear to me. Did he not know what the thought bomb was? Because the very first chapter is him having run away with refugees from Rusan. And when when Farfalla is gathering a group of people together to go back down to the planet's surface and search for more survivors, he is upset that he's not being one of them. And Farfalla basically tells him, he's like, look, the people I'm choosing are the ones who are not Force-sensitive because, you know, the Thought Bomb killed everyone um, in a horrific matter, in a horrific way, and I don't want there to possibly be residual effects or for you to be hurt when you go down there. Um, And then he proceeds to just be like, you know what? I don't care. Get on mind trick time. Let's do this. <laughs> screw, and, screw you, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then goes down to the surface and then so on and so forth, which I... The thing is that it's funny because I messaged you that I didn't like him during the first and second chapter. And then by the time he gets to Coruscant, you have you have an, at least two things that make me make me more interested in him as a character. Because one, you're right. He is the um, uh, sticking with the horror horror movie themes, uh, especially with Ooh. with uh, following Darth Bane. Um, he is the um, Professor uh, Loomis. Professor Loomis. Good lord. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> he is the Professor Loomis of this of this with Bane and Xana being Michael Myers. Um, <clears throat> In the sense that he's the only one who understands that there is still a possibility of them being alive. And there is still a possibility of them not having been destroyed on Rusan. Which, in hindsight, makes him not necessarily seem a lot smarter, but makes every other Jedi seem infinitely stupider. Um, Because, like, you know, even the prequel trilogy Jedi, once you get to like Mace and Yoda and everybody, at the very least you can make the statement, oh, well you know, Rusan happened a thousand years ago, like they, you know, well, it's surely all the Sith are wiped out, you know, there's no there's no way, but take that versus Rusan happened and depending on what part of the book you're reading, either A yesterday or B, 10 years ago, I would be a bit more, I feel like I would be a bit more um, inclined to listen to rumors of the Sith 
showing back up. Um, maybe that's just me, but you know, I, but anyways, um, so yeah, I do like that aspect, but I also like that he instantly, like you said, with, with the chancellor, but also with the, um, all the people that Xana kills on that ship are the people that he, um, he went down to Rusan with, and he mind control or he did the Jedi mind trick on one of them, so that he could go and they wouldn't say anything about it, basically. Um, and like he he feels bad about it, and he's like, "That's not the Jedi way. I want to apologize." And then he never gets the chance to because a a nine year old just slaughtered them in cold blood, um, which Farfalla doesn't say that, but um, <laughs> although what if he had? I really wish he had. <laughs> um, but no, I just I, I like that aspect of him. I like the I like the fact that he immediately has uh, he immediately has consequences and <clears throat> immediately feels the remorse over over having to deal with that and having made those mistakes. Um Another thing about him, like, kind of moving forward in his story is that I did really like the aspect of when he has to defend the Chancellor um, ten years later. They do the time jump and everything, mm-hmm. and I like that they t- he talks about how, like, his studies have more so been in the political side, being with the Chancellor so much. He's still a proficient lightsaber wielder, but at the same time, he's nowhere near what he could be. But I like that he is that way because one of the excuse me one of the fir- one of the very first things you and I ever talked about in um, Light of the Jedi is I like the idea of all Jedi having different proficiencies. Like it's not just everyone's good at everything. It's this guy's really good at meditation. This guy's really good at using the Force in a physical way. This guy's really good at lightsaber dueling. Like I really like that aspect of it. Um, and I like that they, that we had a character who was like, I'm really good at being, um, at doing the political side of it, because that's something that we haven't really seen up to this point. Um, at least in, in these books. Um, so yeah, no, like I said, I, I like Johan the more, the more I read, I, I liked him more, uh, by the end of it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there is a point I want to make real quick about um, the Chancellor as well as we brought him up through talking about Johan, is that um, the Chancellor man, the Chancellor is a really good example of what happens a lot in these two books, with me at least, where um, our boy Drew will write a character and you get into the character's head and you start to understand where he's coming from and you're just like, okay, I get this. And then a big inconsistency will happen and you're just kind of like, then why then why did any of these other things happen then? If, yeah. that's, if that's how it's going to go. And I think the Chancellor in this is a really prime example of that because when the Chancellor is introduced to us, right, we're introduced to him when he's having this conversation with um, with Ohana Farfalla, and 
and um, the chancellor is just kind of like, we need to dissolve the army, and we need to bring everybody back into the republic and have a strong, united front through the government. And um, and Johan is just like, well, you know, there's still Sith. Like, the Sith are still... There's zero chance we killed every Sith on Rusan. <laughs> like, like they're still out there. Um, um, and the Chancellor is just like, well, exactly. They're always in the shadows, and uh, the Republic won't stand if there's always this this vague threat of the Sith in the background, and we need to unite. And so you get the impression of just like, okay, this is like your typical politician who refuses to like listen to the experts and just wants to save face and just wants to save their own publicity and stuff like that. And he had that. Then the rest of the book that has the chancellor in it is just kind of like, oh no, he's actually a very stand-up guy. He's actually very genuine and wanting to help people and help the Republic. And like, he's actually like a very humble and down to earth dude. And you're just kind of like, then what the hell was that whole chapter about then? Like what? <laughs> It's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's like to use your analogy here with Halloween. It's mm-hmm. like it's like if it's like if the cops of Springfield heard um, Doctor Loomis show up and was just like, well, you know, he's still out there. He's gonna come home. He's gonna kill a bunch of people. It's what he does. And the cops were just kind of like, "You're just a crackpot old fool, Doctor Loomis. You don't know what you're talking about." And then the very next scene with the cops, we see them like volunteering at like the psychiatric hospital, and like and like reading a book on psycho on psychology, and and taking all these open consultations with all the other doctors. And it's just kind of like, then why were they so resistant to the one person they should have listened to? <laughs> like, it makes no sense. And that was just like a really, because when I talk about the character work in these books, because there's so many characters that like have varying amounts of work <laughs> that are being put into them. Um, the Chancellor is just a perfect example of what happens so often with that. It's just this idea of just like, just like, okay, here's this character, and you read it, and you're just like, okay, I get this character, cool. And then they, and then it's revealed that it's just like, oh no, actually, they're the complete opposite of what that first interaction was. It's just kind of like, then why, then why did you, why did you set the table this way? Like, if we're going to be having soup, why didn't you put out spoons? Like, this does does not track with the rest of the thing you wrote. It was just, I don't know, it just feels very odd. Every time I read about a new character, I almost go into it with this weird skepticism of just like, oh, I wonder what they're actually going to be like in three chapters. Because I have no reason to believe they're going to be consistent. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong because there there was a couple of different things where it's just it almost felt like... There were a couple of different moments where I was like, this was padding like this could have been a shorter chapter handled differently you know like everything involving Hetton, which i didn't even really plan on going in with him but um everything involving his his subplot i was like they could have i mean we we found freedom nats holocron because of a a note that was in a journal 
Like we could we could have easily done the same thing with this. We didn't have to do this whole subplot. Um, I but, I do I do have to respect the energy just a little bit. I'm glad you brought up the Oda again because I've forgotten about it. <laughs> I do kind of respect Drew Carbishan's energy there because even Bane has the internal monologue of just like. Lord Khan didn't care about the old Sith Lords at all. Why would he have this? And then you just don't get an answer. Yeah, no, you you, you do not. (laughs) It's just just the energy of acknowledging how weird and out of character that is and doing nothing nothing at all to assuage it. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, yeah, that was pretty weird. Anyway, we're going to go get this holocron. (laughs) Yeah, I... I feel like that happened, like, things like that happened a couple of different times where it's, where, where, like, something interesting happened and I was like, why can't we focus more on that, you know, and, and and it's, and it's not to say, I feel like I need to clarify, you know, uh, basically an hour in, but I feel like I need to clarify, I did like this book more than Path of Destruction, personally, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if Al feels the same way, but I personally did like this one better than the first one. Um, I don't know if that's going to change or not with the third one. Um, I'm hoping they just just keep getting better. Um, but at the same time, like you're you're not wrong because, because for a couple of reasons. One, like is it, for, for, forgive me. Maybe maybe I maybe I'm being the weird one. Because because they talk about the archives of the, of the Sith Academy, are they? I know this is going to be a weird question. Are they actual books, or are they like hollow tapes, like the like the Jedi archives? Because if they're actual books, then that's that's fine. But there was a point when he picks up the note where I was like, oh, actual like pen and paper or or blood or whatever however he writes it because it's it's all red. Um, and and my thought process was like, oh, this must have been really important because he wanted to keep it secret, you know, and he wanted to keep it for himself because not a whole lot of people use pen and paper in this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, and so that was weird. But then they, we never we never come back to that like at all. Even even to the point where, until he gets the Orbalisk stuck on him, he keeps seeing Lord Khan and. Quotus, is that how we're saying his name? Um, th- or Cortus. Cord- last time we said Cortus. Cortus. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we keep seeing visions of Lord Khan and Cortus, which I was like, oh, okay. He, you know, he's or they're like their their spirits are trying to find immortality. Okay, so that's interesting. So then. Once again, I my entire thought process was that this is going to go into the Sith hunt for immortality because the entire point of Plagueis and Palpatine and what their main goal is and what the main goal of all the Sith is, uh, at least in certain books and certain stories, is that while, while the Jedi do have the living force – um, with the light side, the dark side does not have an answer for that. So basically, if you are a dark side user, you're just uh, bleh, you're done. Okay. So 
so it makes sense that that P, that Sith would be like, well, we want to find a way to live forever because we don't want to go bleh. So, and and for the record, that's my best way of describing that. Um, it's pretty good. It's pretty thank, good. Thank you. So, so I kept assuming I was like, oh, so at this part, they're going to. So I kept assuming I was like, at this part, we're going to shift into Bane's hunt for immortality, which will then lead down the line of Sith all the way to to Plagueis and then Palpatine, where that's where the the discussion of we want to always be here. We want to have the Sith eternity, basically. But instead we don't get that. And I don't I don't know. It was just yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we get that in the last book. Maybe. Especially Maybe. with how this one ends. Sure. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that's kind of the tone that changes. But no, it's it is interesting. I'm glad I mean brought up the fact that like Bane was having like hallucinations and visions or or however you want to describe them. I think they were left kind of ambiguous um on purpose. But um like there is I gotta say I do kind of like the aspect of the book where where Darth Bane kind of like doesn't really know what to do with himself because like it's kind of accurate to real life as far as his place in Star Wars goes right because Darth Bane in Star Wars canon is known as he is the Sith Lord who destroyed the Sith Empire and established the rule of two right and so you have this situation where he's got three books, right? The thing that he's known for is done in one book. Yeah. And so it it kind of fits the context of of like where it's just kind of a thing of just like, you know, well, Bane, you destroyed all the Sith. You've established the rule of two. You found a really strong apprentice you can teach. What are you gonna do now? And Darth Bane is just kind of like, I, I don't really know. Like, I don't know. I kind of got that vibe from him in a lot of his chapters, where you know, he's going around and he's just kind of like, well, I'll go investigate this and grab this holocron, and it's just like, well, okay, I've got the orbalists now, and like, that seems like an improvement. Um, so I guess I'll bang with that. And then, you know, I found this other holocron and now I want to kind of build my own. And like, I'm kind of starting to lose my mind, but like, it's not that big of a deal. It's fine. And, <laughs> and, and you do kind of get the vibe that his arc in this book is very much that, you know, he had this massive dream, this massive vision of power of I'm going to destroy the Sith and establish two so that we can be powerful and we can survive and perpetuate that way. And he's in the unique position of having done exactly what he set out to do. And now he's just kind of aimless. He kind of lacks any real goals that he wants to do. And I think that's why we start to see him gain kind of a focus on building a holocron. And like, there's almost a question of just like, well, 
Bane, even if you build a holocron that works, what are you going to talk about? Because everything you've done was already established by other Sith Lords. So what are you really going to do? You're known for establishing the rule of two, but you weren't even really the first one to think of it. And so, and so it's kind of, I don't know, I found it kind of interesting, like, you kind of get the feeling that, like, this Dark Lord of the Sith is, like, having, like, a midlife crisis, because he's <laughs> done everything he set out to do, and now he has an apprentice who's obviously very powerful, Bane says early on, you are probably going to overtake me one day, and so now he's in the weird Sith Lord position of just being like, well, now I don't really know what to with myself um i don't know i kind of enjoyed uh, that part of him it was refreshing to see what happens when you do have a character who is so powerful you know has all the answers um overcomes all of these all of these huge gargantuan tasks and then it's just kind of left or just like well what do i do now mm. um oh no i kind of enjoyed that part of his character in this book yeah, I definitely, I'm, I didn't, so I, I will admit you, you just made me rethink most of his arc in this book. Um, and, and, and here's the thing, you just made me more excited to read the third one. So, so look at that. You're, you're doing, you're doing half a Carbison's job for him already. Uh, Boom. Oh. Everybody's welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I you you do you do bring up a valid point because like he he instantly says Xana will probably overtake me. Like he instantly tells her that, which is which is kind of interesting. Um, if I do have one major complaint, I did want to see more training. Like I I know they love their time oh, sure. jumps. I get that, um, but I wanted to see more of the because they they have a couple moments of it where something something will happen to her and then she'll think back to him teaching her something about that you know what i mean um like something involving um uh, the lightsaber and then she'll think back to when he was first teaching her how to wield a lightsaber um which i was i was like okay that part's interesting i i want to see more of that yeah. um but yeah i don't I, that that's really my only compl- my my major complaint of this book. I won't say only, but my major complaint of this book is that I wanted to see more training. Um, but yeah, um, Al, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, hi, hi, kind of curious. I'm Al. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, what did you think? What did you think of Darvitt's character in this? I'm going to be honest, man. That dude could not have been in this book, and I don't think I would have even noticed. I, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so well. So I am glad you bring him up, though, because Darvitt, I think I might be being way too hard on him, but. For me, Tarovitz, the purpose that his character serves. I'm having a hard time saying every part of his name. I'm going to call him Tomcat. So the so the role that Tomcat serves 
for me as a reader who has experienced various things I both like and dislike about Star Wars. The role that Tomcat serves in this is to is to try to facilitate a character journey that I have come to hate. Okay? Because the only purpose that Tomcat serves in this entire book is to make us wonder, ooh, is Zana actually going to be good? And like and see the light side because she has someone that she cares about. I stop it. I hate that. There's no reason for me to believe that. Okay. We, the first three things I see Zana do is kill two men with a thought, use the force to disintegrate her cousin's hand, and then shoot just a, a ship full of people, including two children. That those are the first three things I see Zana do, and she never questions any of it. No. <laughs> and so we I have been led to believe by copious amounts of descriptions and scenes, both show and tell, that Zana is not interested in relationships. She's not interested in caring about others. She's intrigued by things like envy and jealousy, essentially things that are like adjacent to the dark side. (laughs) And that's it. She doesn't care about Bane. The only reason she cares about him is because he's his, he is her only way to grow more powerful. She doesn't care about Hetton, whatever the hell that side story was. (laughs) She, (laughs) She doesn't really care about him at any point. Um, in fact, the entire the entire time that I was reading that part with Hedden, we will talk about Hedden just for a second. So Hedden is this like rich, aristocratic dude on on Ambria, um, who is secretly just like a, a fanboy for the dark side. He has some force sensitivity. He receives some instruction in the force, but. Um, He's just like a handboy, essentially, right? I'm sure he has like a poster on his wall of like um, Knights of the Old Republic artwork. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure that's his whole deal. (laughs) Um, Zana finds him, and Hetton just casually drops, "Oh, I'm actually in the company of six Sith assassins from Umbara." Um, And Zana is just kind of like. what? Uh, okay, dude. <laughs> um, I guess I'll I'll steal your ship and all of your materials to go to go bring my master. We're totally gonna kill him. At no point in that side story did I ever actually think Zana was betraying Bane. No. <laughs> At no point did I think that was gonna happen. Because because Zana is ice cold. She has the most natural affinity for the dark side that I've ever seen in a character, right? That's her whole, that is what she has been built up as. So when Tomcat shows up and he's just like, no, you cared about me. You made it seem like I had strong force abilities, but I was just a channel hole for your force abilities, which again, that's a force skill I hope we see again, because that sounds awesome. Uh, <laughs> that sounds super cool. Um, 
And he was just like, you do care about me. You care about me. You care about Bane. You're a good person, Zana. And it's just kind of like, oh, my God. At some point, all the writers out there, at some point, you have to be okay with allowing your villains to just be bad. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) At some point, I get the appeal of anti-heroes. I get the appeal of like interesting backstories and, and like gray morality and stuff like that. At some point, if you have a villain, especially a villain that you have built up as being super evil, you have to be okay with just allowing your villain to be a villain. Um, the only purpose Tomcat serves in my mind throughout this book is having us trying to force us to second guess the completely obvious characterization that has been built up throughout the book. Right. Um, and it gave me, ah, oh gosh, it gave me flashbacks to like, um, to like, here's the issue with Zana. Here's my whole big thing with where I'm at with Zana right now. Okay, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, okay? So, with Zana, if Dynasty of Evil ends up with Zana having a change of heart and a weird redemption arc, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to put the Star Wars books down for a while. Mm. <laughs> I will be so angry. <laughs> because it gives me flashbacks to like I don't I don't hate what happened to Kylo Ren in the sequel films. I don't hate the idea of him having a redemption arc. I think that's fine. I feel like up to like an hour and a half into Rise of Skywalker, I felt that the redemption arc was very unearned. That's the issue I have with that character arc Mm. uh, with Kylo Ren. I'm fine if he's going to get redeemed. I'm fine with him him turning and struggling against the dark side. I think that's fine. I think it, it makes sense for his character. Um, it feels very unearned up to that point. Um, and I see so many parallels with what they're trying to do with Zana in this book, because it's just like, well, when you were a kid, you really helped me show off my force abilities and you were super cool and you gave your mom flowers once and it felt it very much felt like i'm uh, just being like <laughs> just being like look i know that kylo just killed his father and had um an entire village of innits of innocence executed i know that just happened but starting right now He's fine. It was it was that kind of thing. It was just like, look, I know Zana has killed a greater amount of people than a majority of action scenes in films. But like starting right now, she once had a couple of good times with her cousin. So I think it's okay. I think she's actually really, really about to turn over a new leaf. And I'm just kind of like, no, we need we need to let characters. If you want a complicated character. You need to be okay with them actually being evil, right? It goes for Kylo too. Even if you like his redemption arc, that redemption arc does not mean anything if it forces us to throw out all of the things he actually struggled with. So with Zana, I'm just like, boy, she better not have a redemption arc because right now she hasn't done anything to earn it, right? At least with Kylo, we saw a little bit of the struggle. 
we saw the love and affinity he had for his mom. We saw the connection he had with Ray. We saw those things. Okay. And his redemption arc still felt unearned. So if Zana has a redemption arc, I'm just going to be like, then why even have her as a character? Because to me, that's just two different people and it feels bad. It does not feel like a coherent journey that a character has gone on. So that's, so no, I didn't care for Tomcat's character because to me, that's the entire role he served was to make me wonder, ooh, oh boy, I wonder if they're going to just ollie, well, <laughs> ollie tolly me and just be like, woohoo, nope, we got you. She's actually good. And I will hate that if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, um, you basically hit the nail on the head from everything I thought about them as a character. Um, because yeah, I just, you know, it, it, it's funny because it's funny. You bring up redemption arcs and it's funny. You bring up the possibility of Xana having one, which I I'm with you. I hope he doesn't because if we're, and I, and I hope Bane doesn't randomly because like, I love the idea of redemption arcs. I do. Okay, I love the idea of, you know, I, I know ever everyone everyone always goes on about you know, well Ky- uh, Kylo Ren had a redemption arc, Vader had a redemption arc, you know they they redemption arcs is part of Star Wars. Okay, it is, but at the same time, like you said, sometimes it is okay to just let your villain just be a villain, and and to and to just do bad things. So that the the hero has something to fight against, like you can make them interesting, make them have a backstory, make them even be compelling, and be like, this is why they're a villain. Uh, and you know, I with Xana though, it's almost like he was born to be this way. Which I don't necessarily know. I mean, of course, then you get into the then you get into the the psychology aspects and the and the ideologies of of can someone truly be born evil? And I don't really believe that, but. The thing is, is that with we're in Star Wars, like crazy things can happen. So yes, it is. In my opinion, it is okay to write a character that, if at nine years old, she's gunning down people in a ship, you know, and she's, you know, like you said, disintegrating her cousin's hand. Then yeah, I think you know. All right, so so she's a little. She's a uh, Man, I really am doing the horror movie references. Anyways, she's little Damien. Okay, that's fine. We we can roll with that, you know. And so and so, I, I completely agree with you. I, I'm I'm hoping that I'm hoping that that remains the same. Um, of course, we we know that one of the two of them will have to die by the end of the series, um, but to 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 carry on the legacy of of the dark side. Um, so either Bane finds a way to best her or she or she actually does get more powerful than him. I don't know which one's going to happen, but yeah, that's that's where we're going. But all right. Um so so I was so <laughs> last thing before we get to our, our two major questions. Sure. Because yeah. I, I have I have said I like this one better than the first one. Um Knowing that it was written in six months is impressive, to say the very least, um, even for Star Wars, because I, I know that moves quick. But, man, 
Um, Al, I'm curious. Do you... I do say that often, don't I? Um, do you... Do you like Carpenter's writing better in this one or in the first one? I think, well... I think the writing, as far as, like, the, like, physical prose of it, I Mm. think it's about comparable between the two. I don't really see a whole lot of differences there. He does... uh, One thing about Arbishan's writing is that um, he does does a whole lot of internal stuff. Um, He has um, stretches and paragraphs where there won't be any spoken dialogue at all but just the person's internal thoughts will just be like continuously going and going and going um i don't think that's a bad thing i think it does kind of play into uh, the tendency he has which i talked about on on the last episode which he he does tend to to tell rather than show a lot Mm -hmm. of things but um but um, as far as the pros, I think it's about comparable. I was struck by the t- difference in content um, way more than anything else. Um, I was struck by the fact that, you know, we just came from Path of Destruction, which I made a point of saying, you know, it starts as like a war story and then it jumps into like this prolonged, almost like slice of life high school anime of Bane at the Dark Temple. Um and it's that for like 250 pages. But um, the content of Rule of Two was a lot more action-packed. It was a lot more varied and diverse. You have um, Zana doing like undercover stuff to like rile up like the early versions of the Separatists, um, which was interesting. You had... um, Ohan occasionally popping in there to like show how he has matured and things like that. Uh, we see Darth Bane go from entering an old temple um, and getting the Orbalisks onto him to trying to make a holocron to raiding like um, that temple of the Sith alchemist, which is like some of the coolest Sith stuff. The <laughs> Sith alchemy stuff and the Sith sorcery stuff are the kind of things that I wanted to get out of reading the older Star Wars things. Yeah. Like that's the kind of stuff I was like hyped for whenever I started like this journey that we're on. Um because that stuff's awesome. It was so cool. And so like you know you have Bane like invading this old abandoned fortress and taking down like Cyborg versions of like space animals and stuff to like <laughs> to get this holocron and it's awesome, um, and so you have all of these things even eating up to the confrontation on Python, where it's just like this really cool, very climatic fight between the Jedi and the Sith. And it's just really, really cool. And there's a lot of cool stuff that happens. Um, and so based on that, 
I would say I probably like his writing in Rule of Two a bit more than in the last one, because the last one, as much as I enjoyed the kind of like absurdity of it at times, of just being like, okay, let's just like enjoy this high school drama of that's happening in the Sith Academy. This is fine. Um, I did kind of enjoy that. I, t- I told you at the end of the last episode, I was just like, you know, there's a part of me that really loves this book for how just insane it is. Um, I th- think I did enjoy um, the content of Rule of Two um, a bit more because it started to get into what I was kind of expecting to find um, and a lot of the Okin and stuff. And just like, you know, this is how the dark side powers really um, differentiated for the light side powers. This is the kind of stuff that happened in like the annals of history, and and these are the kinds of things that like the Sith were up to uh, those whole thousand years that the Jedi thought they were gone. And so like, Amato was very active. It's really easy to read. It went by very fast. I read this book in like three days. Um, so from that perspective, I did enjoy it a bit more than um, the first one for sure. How about you? Um. So, w- once again, you. This is the pro- This is the problem with, with us do with us doing some of these podcasts is that you and I agree on things very similarly. Um, because you're you once again you hit the nail on the head for my opinions is that like the the pros is pretty is pretty similar, but I really liked how he was focusing more on Bane wanting to learn more about the older Sith and and the different ways of being a Sith. Which is really interesting to me, um, you know. And I even even so much that like Xana's spells that he learns, horrifying though they are, mm-hmm. um, are interesting to me. That because to me it it makes sense that like it makes sense that to for for the for them to be the villains of the Star Wars universe, the the anti Jedi. They should have powers that are different than just, you know, oh, force choke, oh, force push. You know, they they should be able to do stuff like Xana. Like, I can make you see literally your worst nightmares come to life and you literally just drive yourself mad seeing them. Okay? Stuff like that is the is – the, it sounds weird, but it's like, yeah, this is what I signed up for. Okay? <laughs> like, that's that's what I expected from these books. Um and so for me to see stuff like that in this one, I was I was way more impressed and really enjoyed that stuff a lot more. But it was annoying because they would they would address something and start something and then immediately move on to something else. And it's it was almost to the point where it's like, well, if you're going to start that, then don't like just like make sure to finish it. Cause like when they first get to See, see, Tython's always been such an interesting planet to me. Um, hang on, hang on. Oh, I'm hanging. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Bless you. Um, thank you. Um, so, okay, Sith, so, Sith be with you. <laughs> Sith be with you, yeah, exactly. So, so in Chapter 18, they, he first gets to Tython. Right. And... Tython is such an interesting plan to me because at this point it was 
the earliest parts of the, of the galaxy are still kind of in flux, even even in the non-canon writings at, at this point, um, which is one of the reasons that the the new movie that's going to be set 25,000 years in the past at the start of the Jedi, mm-hmm. it's really interesting to me. Um, but at this one, Tython was the was originally supposed to be the first planet that the force kind of originated from. It's a deep core planet, which means it's hard, really hard to get to. Um, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on around there. It, it orbits a black hole. If for, if you want to really go with that, which let me tell you, physicists everywhere wept when, when I read that line, but, um, <laughs> but all the same, um, you know, once again, we're in st- it's it's Star Wars. We can do that. Uh, it's it's fine. Um, but even to the point where they talk about, uh, they're like, you know, these these people who were what we now know as force sensitive were able to call on Ashla, which is the power that represented all power, all compassion and mercy in the universe, and they were opposed by the people who could draw upon Boga, the manifestation of raw passion and pure uncontrolled emotion. So that's the earliest forms of the light side and the dark side, which is really interesting to me because I'm like, oh my gosh, they even had different names. It wasn't just this one's good, this one's bad. It's like everything about that aspect of the story intrigues me, and I want to read some of the really early stuff soon. Um, we'll have to look into that, Al. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I, – I was so intrigued by stuff like that. But then that's – that is a – two paragraphs because then they go – he talks a little bit about it, but then that's two paragraphs. That's it, and I want an entire book series about that personally <laughs> or or at the very least uh, the new um, – oh my gosh, who's directing that one? Um, Any, I don't whoever, know. Whoever whoever's directing the 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 old the old old republic like the very first republic kind of uh, Star Wars movie, um, so yeah so so I was I was with you where it was like there are things I liked more but then there were all but then at the same time it was kind of similar um, with the writing and everything which wasn't bad in the first one he Car- Carpenter for all the for all the crap we're giving him <laughs> because or at, at the very least I know I am. Um, he is a good writer and this and and he is he is doing a good job with this one um and we will we will see if he can stick that landing on the third one yeah. uh, uh, just as a heads up uh the most recent reports is that uh, dawn of the jedi is being directed by james mangold that's that's yes okay because he just directed the new indiana jones yeah okay i remember that now because it was because everyone was like, "Oh, he's got two Lucasfilm films under his belt now," and I, I don't, I don't know why I've had people saying it like that, but Hippity, they did. Hippity, boop, boop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there you go. I yeah. Hope, I, uh, I, I mean, yeah. Hope Dawn of the Jedi is better than the, than the new Indiana Jones movie, but. <laughs> I didn't mind that. Okay, that's a that's a whole was, other podcast. <laughs> it was it was fine. Everybody it's, go and watch it and have your own opinion on it. It, it was fine. <laughs> um anyways, moving moving on to our, our final questions, Al. Unless is there anything else that we did not cover so far that you wanted to touch on? Um 
I wanted to, to ensure that we talked about the part where Bane fights a bunch of cybernetic space animals. Oh my gosh, I completely because forgot. That was okay, okay. I brought that up. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. I brought that up because, like, when the introduction to it is perfect, too, because um, he goes <laughs> and he is just like, ah, oh, this was the former fortress of a Sith alchemist. And I was reading it, I was just like, Sith alchemy? What does that mean? Is that, like, weird <laughs> potions and poisons or, like, new, like, ways to, like, use the energy in a kyber crystal or something like that? I thought it was like, oh, it's like a Sith Lord with, like, a chemistry set. And then yeah. um, you go into it and it's just like, no, it means we shoved robot parts into animals. And I was just like, that's, okay, that's still pretty cool. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. This is this is horrifying, but at the same time, this is still pretty damn cool. <laughs> yeah, no, so... Oh my god, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, because that also solidifies, once again, Darth Bane is an idiot who just happens to be very, very strong with the Force. Um, because I love that there's a point. He walks in the middle of this giant room... Just full of these beasts, all staring at the ho- at this holocron, and there's even a point where he says, "I wonder what will happen if I grab this. Will they then worship <laughs> me as their leader, or will they uh, will they try to maul me to death for taking what their their sacred treasure?" And then he's just like, "I'm gonna pick it up and see what happens." <laughs> and then cue cue the prelude song for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's <laughs> just like, Darth Bane gets attacked by all these creatures. <laughs> <laughs> but so he, he grabs... It is like that. Um, no, he grabs the holocron, and then, of course, they all just start attacking him. Um, and, like, uh, of course, he's got the Orbalist, so they're, they're doing their thing. They're just... They're, they're pumping them full of uh, the, the good juices and the hormones and yep. all that. Which, yep, which the good happens. dark side juice. And the good old dark side juice, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, awesome. and then Rancor just throws them, across the, uh, throws them across the room at one point, and you're like, that was cool. Uh, it was a cyborg Rancor. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. Excuse me, yes. A cyborg Rancor. <laughs> Excuse me. Which, you, I mean, you have to love Darth Bane's confidence where he just, he sees the cyborg rancor <laughs> and he's just kind of like, I wonder if I should go ahead and just take down that one before everybody attacks me just in case. <laughs> but no, he's just like, ah, I'm sure that'll be fine. <laughs> nope. Just like, we're, I'm going for it. It's like, I have orbalisks now. I'll be good. You get more XP for the kill if he's active. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's just like, I could take him out now, but I really want to see the boss fight. So I guess, exactly. I'll, <laughs> I guess I'll do what the story wants me to. Oh, man. All right. Um, but moving, moving on. Oh, boy. So, so our final questions. Okay. And you have to remind me. You have to remind me of the second one. Um of your answer from the last one from the last episode, but Al, what was your hypest moment in this book? Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. What did I even say? My hypest thing was from path of destruction. I forget. Um, oh, no, 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 I meant the, uh, there are your, the grand cannon question is the, what is what I need to know or what I was going to ask you from. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. So yeah. Oh gosh. It's all good. Yeah, um, yeah, Hypus, 
moment from this. So him storming the fortress to fight all of the cyborg animals was pretty sick. But um, I gotta, I have to give this to, and this happened in a scene that we haven't like, uh, we kind of glazed over a bit, but I have to give it to my boy. I'm gonna not say his name right, but it's a fake name, so it's okay. To my boy, Warrior? War- <laughs> War- Warrior? Yeah, I want to yeah. say that's yeah. how you say his name. Um, yeah, the orange head I did. Um, I love that guy. Okay, he he has the coolest sequence of events I have ever seen because he's he's just a dude. He shows up. Um, so to set the scene for everybody, I'm sorry, I forget that not everybody has read these books. Yes, and, so, we, and we, didn't, we didn't really talk, oddly enough, we didn't really talk about this, even though I said this scene could have been the ending, but yes. Though, yeah, even though it's the climax of the book. So, yeah. um, so, <laughs> so Zana and Bane are, are, um, above gathered at Tython. Does this happen? Yeah, this happens at Tython. Uh, they've gathered at Tython. Um, oh, Tomcat is there too. He's being useless, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, they get tracked down by a squad of Jedi because um, one of the quests that Zana had was to go to Coruscant and check the Jedi archives to learn more about the Orbalisks. Um, and while she's there, her cousin shows up. Um, they get like seen uh, by the Jedi. The Jedi are able to track down where they are off to. Um, so a team of five Jedi track down um, Zana and Bane. It's um, Harfala. It's it's Ohan, who probably shouldn't have been on this on this ride but that's okay um for following johan it's um and akani i believe her name is is aster rexta i think or something it's it's weird but yes gotcha so um um and akani is named rexka who her whole thing is she has like forsaken all of the force power side of being a Jedi and just devoted herself to being like the best lightsaber fighter in the galaxy, which is super cool. It's her, um, her Adawan, who's now um, a Jedi Knight, who's known for being very powerful as a duelist as well. I forget his name. I'll be honest with you. Uh, (laughs) And then, the OG, <laughs> the coolest dude in these books so far, is an Ithorian Jedi named Warrior, um, who his whole thing is when they get to Tython, they confront Bane and Zana. The four of them rush in and fight. Warrior, his job is to chill and enter a state known as Battle meditation which is introduced to us in the first book and he focuses his force power into strengthening and invigorating his allies so that when his allies fight they um uh, they have more speed they're more alert they have more strength with their swipes 
Um, it's basically like a huge um, combat. Uh, for all of those people out there who play Dungeons and Dragons, he basically casts haste on his four allies. Um, which you can't even do in Dungeons and Dragons. So so it's crazy. It's super awesome, right? That's his whole purpose in this fight, right? So my hypest scene from this book is that they are hiding and Warrior is doing his thing. He's sending all of the good juice <laughs> into all of his allies. Um, Bane fights off three of them at once because he has the Orbalists and he goes to strike down Warrior. And I believe it's Chohan who does it, but um, he basically like does a force push to force Warrior to fly out of the way of Bane's <laughs> attack. Because Warrior, he can't do anything. He is in the zone. He is just like, my purpose is to buff my dudes, and that is all I'm going to do, right? So, so Warrior gets flown away by his own ally to save his life. And within, like, five seconds, he's just like, oh, oh, that was crazy. Anyway, back to it. And he goes right back to doing his <laughs> battle meditation. Bane gets to him again, swipes him with his lightsaber, right? So, homie utterly defenseless, takes one across the chest from, like, the most powerful Arcside user in the galaxy at that point, right? Just as Bane is about to kill the last of the surviving Jedi with a storm of, of Force lightning, Warrior reaches up, touches Bane on the ankle, and casts a protective Force shield around Bane so that Bane is trapped in his own electrical storm. And he like, he almost kills Bane that way. And it's sick. <laughs> it's so cool because this whole time you're waiting for like, oh, they have like the best flashiest swordsman in the galaxy to fight. And they have, oh, the great war hero Farfalla. He's going to do cool stuff. And the, and the one that almost aces Darth Bane is this a Thorian who doesn't even like do combat. He's a support character. And he just like reaches up. He sees Bane about to like unleash this like this storm of death and destruction. And he's just like, nah, fam. And just <laughs> captures him in his own storm. And it's so cool. I was like about to like cheer for Warrior. And I was just like, yeah, Warrior, get it. <laughs> You're amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, that's my hypest thing. It's just like the casual, like, oh, I just got stabbed by like the most strong Sith in the galaxy. I'm gonna just reach up and touch him a little bit, <laughs> just <laughs> just shut him down. Ah, it was so cool. That was that part made all the other frustrations I had with this book like totally worth it. It was so cool. Well, I mean, na naturally, every every Athorian Jedi is. Kind of steals the show because it's so uh, true. <laughs> yeah, because Roaring Korob does the same thing, and uh, which man, they love their R's, don't they? Um, mm -hmm. Roaring Korob does the same thing in the Tartakovsky Clone Wars, as we have discussed before. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, War Warer does does it here as well. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's that's definitely that's definitely a solid pick. That's that's definitely a great one. Um, 
for me, I mean, it's, I mean, same way like when we were talking about the Rising Storm, the Higher Public book. There's a point early on, fairly early on in the book, where Bane. Bane tricks this, or uses the Force to trick this giant, like, dragon-esque beast. Like this, or really more like a giant bat-esque beast, honestly. Like, having having looked at the pictures of them from uh, some of the older Tales of the Jedi comics. Um, on Daxon to literally fly from the moon of Daxon to the planet of Onderon, which are directly next to each other. Which is... So cool and so implausible. Um, it's crazy. He just yeah. <laughs> he just traverses the vacuum of space. Exactly. <laughs> it does but, not make any sense. <laughs> but after that, then he also uses that same beast to take out like this entire, like this entire uh, grouping of beast riders um, from Onderon, which once again is still a throwback to uh, the first time you see Freedon Nad in the Tales of the Jedi stories. Um, it gives gives a very interesting like way to like view Bane's character in a way because it's just like you know he's like he's like the sum of Sith he's like this big evil guy and then it's just like and we're going to show how evil he is by killing a bunch of like human traffickers is that what they were doing? Basically (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're they're not great like it's not a uh it's kind of a situation where you're just like, I don't really care who wins at this point because no, no one's really good at this point. Um, but but yeah, I um, but yeah, that whole that whole sequence where he's just flying around, just there's something about like basically dragon riders for lack of a better term. There's something about that aspect of just them flying around with giant swords and taking people out that this I will always enjoy. Um, no matter no matter what else is going on. Yeah. Um, I mean, so yeah, that is that is my hypest moment. Um, I mean, everybody, hot takes here on Star Wars EU or e, or e-review. Dragon riders are pretty cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> People who ride dragons are inherently pretty neat. So there you go. <laughs> um. So the so the last question, and I'm going to frame it in a different way. I'm ready. Because because I, w- I was like, I mean, we're, we're reading a trilogy. We're reading three books in a row. And we, if I remember correctly, you and I both said that the first one is basically just fine. And it's not necessarily part of our grand canon in the sense of, like, someone needs to read it immediately. Okay? If I remember correctly. Um, right. So here's, here's how I'm going to frame this instead. Did, did this book change your mind to where this book is worth them reading the first one to get here? Um, I've got a very appropriate answer to that question, actually, Jacob. Um, that I think says a lot more about this book than it does about Path of Destruction. Um, or possibly the other way around, I don't know. I'll let you decide. Um, I don't think you need to read the first book in order to, to read and appreciate this one. Um, because this, this book repeatedly, it tells you what happened. Um, I don't think anything that happened inherently in the first book really, like, 
was awesome enough to like really demand that you like read that account firsthand. Um, that isn't to like completely downplay Path of Destruction because there are some very cool things that happen in it. But um, yeah, I don't really think you have to. I feel like if someone asked me, hey, Al, should I read the Darth Bane trilogy? I'm not sure because I don't have a lot of time to read. But I'm really interested in Bane and in his character. I feel like I could have like a quick like five minute talk with them to catch them up on what happened in Path of Destruction and have them set up to fully appreciate what happens in the rule of two. So I'm going to say that it's interesting. <laughs> this is a really unique situation because this is a, this might be the first time I've ever read a trilogy of books. And I read like a fair amount. But like the first time I've read a trilogy of books where I would almost say that the second one in the trilogy is like the best point to jump onto. Mm. Um, which sounds really weird, but I really think it is because I would say, yeah, man, here's like a a general idea of what happened in the first one. Read Roll of Two first and see if you're really into it. And if you really care to know what happens uh, beforehand and how all that goes down, then you can go ahead and try the first one if you want to. Um, I'm very much like there. Like, um, it's really interesting. I, I find myself taking a similar approach to it as I do to people who ask me, like, you know, how should I watch the Star Wars films? Where I'm just kind of like, eh, just... Watch A New Hope and, and see if it appeals to you in general, and then you can explore all the other ones. Because I'm very much just like, yeah, like the rule of two, it has flaws and it has some cool stuff. Um, I'm just go ahead and try it and see if you're into it. Um, so, yeah, that's um, kind of where I am with it, if that answers your question. I'm not sure I did. No, it, it, it absolutely did, uh, because the funniest part of this, and I was, I was going to bring this up, um, our my dear brother Josh Hardesty, uh, the wise sage, as wise sage, um, the man with the magic hands. The what? The man with the magic hands. Oh, okay. Um, that's, what I, that's what I call him. That's just what I call him. Anyways, <laughs> um, subscribe to our Patreon and you can find out why. <laughs> No, no, you can't. But still subscribe to the Patreon. Um, oh goodness! Um, he has read Rule of Two, but he has not read Path of Destruction. Ooh. Yeah. So it actually, your your answer fits pretty well, actually. Uh, yeah, and I would I would say that like I would say something similar uh, personally, and um, for my grand canon, because it's it's like it's. Depending on what else we read after this, I think it will probably be the. I mean, of course, depending on what the third, how the third one is, I think it will probably be like my pinnacle of like this is what the Sith are. So if you want to know more about the Sith, this is what you need to read. But at the same time, I don't. Which it might just be me not liking the Sith as much as everyone else does. But I do not like this nearly as much as like the higher public or even the Thrawn trilogy or anything else like that right now. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. We're 
We're still we still got one more in the one more in the, in, in the books, if you will. Hey. <laughs> it, it is it isn't an interesting place where um I kind of feel like the third book is going to like make or break the tr- tr- trilogy as a whole for me. Um, I really need to see where Zana lands. I really need to see where Bane goes after his brush with death. Like, I need I need to see where these characters go. Um, and if they go to a good place or even, like, a neutral place, honestly, then I'll just be like, okay, cool, this is fine. Like, this is a fine trilogy of books to read if you're interested in Old Republic stuff. But, like, if it goes bad, I'll be pretty hard-pressed to, like really refer anyone to to the Bane trilogy uh, with the exception of like of like a good bit of stuff in the rule of two. It kind of feels like it feels like one of those episode guides to watch the Clone Wars if you don't want to watch all of it. <laughs> like, yeah. If that makes sense. Where it's just kind of like, um yeah man, if you want to go through like the old canon of stuff and like but you don't want to read everything like there's the Darth Bane trilogy, but like really um, probably just the rule of two is like the pit stop you need to make. Like that's the one you should like watch. So to say, Um, yeah, it's really interesting because I think I'm yet to read a star Wars trilogy of books where I would say that about any of the others. I would not say that about the Thrawn trilogy. Um, I wouldn't say that about the Jedi Academy trilogy or like the new Thrawn stuff or like or like any of the higher public stuff. I wouldn't say that about any of those. So it's really kind of a unique place that this kind of occupies right now. Yeah, I... Um... I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited to read Dynasty of Evil, but I'm also kind of. I know the God. This is gonna sound awful. I'm ready to go to the next thing. Like I, I know that sounds rude, <laughs> but like that's just kind of how I feel. Like <laughs> wrap it up, everybody. Let's go. Wrap it up. Let's get this going. You know, like. Yeah. Well, I have good news. Dynasty of Evil is only like 275 pages, so, okay. so, it'll, so, so it'll go pretty quick. <laughs> But yeah, there is one thing I want to say about the trilogy, but I am going to save it until we actually um, read the last one and and just things out. But um, I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting place we find ourselves in here yep. in the here here smack dab in the Sith Lord's summer. Sith Lord's summer. <laughs> Lord knows it's hot enough. <laughs> Lord knows. <laughs> Lord or and Darth, no. <laughs> uh, they just call me Darth Bane now. God, that line is gonna haunt my dreams. If somehow these episodes get to Drew Carpishan, like I'm sorry, man. I'm sure you're a really nice guy. I'm sure you're a good dude. But like, bro, oh man, <laughs> some of those lines really kill your momentum, brother. <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right, my friends. Well, with that, that is going to wrap it up for us this evening. We will be covering Dynasty of Evil next. If you all are, are still following along and or want to follow along, 
Ooh. Um, we also have some great things coming out for the rest of the year. As previously mentioned, we do have Horror Fest coming up. So if there's any particular horror movies that you guys are interested in, please let us know. We'd be happy to talk about them and uh, maybe see if we can add them to either this year's schedule or maybe even next year's. Uh, yeah. thinking, about, thinking ahead. Holler uh, at us. Yes, please. Please do. Um, yeah, thank you all so much for tuning in. And as always, remember that fandom is for everyone. You guys have a good night.